Welcome to the Lead to Win podcast. This week, we visit with Scott Jarvis, Athletic Administration Consultant, NIAAA Liaison, and former Athletic Director and Coach. I'm your host, Bo Bergen. Let's do it. Excited to grow and learn from this conversation today as I welcome Scott Jarvis to the show. Scott has been a leader and innovator in high school athletic administration for more than 20 years as an athletic director, association officer, advisor, and editorial contributor. Scott has a record of excellence as an athletic director, director of activities, and assistant principal, having led athletic departments at six high schools or school districts in three states. He's achieved unparalleled success at all levels of high school athletics. Scott holds a master's degree in educational leadership from Drake University and a master's degree in sports management and is certified by the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association as a certified master athletic administrator. He's been recognized by the National High School Athletic Coaches Association as a National Athletic Director of the Year finalist and was recognized by the NIAAA with the Bruce Whitehead Distinguished Service Award. As a leader in the sports industry, Scott has presented to athletic administrators across the country, and his ideas on athletic leadership have been published in numerous professional journals. Scott, welcome, and thanks for coming on today. Oh, thank you so much, Bo. I, I appreciate these opportunities to share and learn from others, so thank you for, for inviting me to be a part of your show. Absolutely. Anytime I can learn from a uh, fellow AD, former AD, um, I'm, I'm jumping at the bit to do that. So yeah, uh, I appreciate start off and tell us a little bit about your journey and what's led you to where you are right now. Yeah. So I probably like many, uh, other coaches and athletic administrators that get into this. I just had a, uh, football coach in high school who had a profound effect on me and had a great impact on me uh, as a young kid. Um, Again, I, it all comes down to, I knew he loved and cared about me. And so I was going to go through a, a for him. And um, he, you know, went out of his way, um, probably wasn't, uh, probably could have been on a much different path. Um, and and he just spent the time um, and cared about me enough to to pour some, some love into, in, into me. And uh, it changed the trajectory of my life. So my hope is that I can do that for other kids, uh, coaches, and that's why I love what I do because I know how much impact that had on me. And hopefully, again, I can I can give back a little bit of what I've been given um, from from my from my high school coach as well as so many others um, throughout you know youth, high school, college, and now even my professional career. It, it is truly about um, those relationships with others. Yeah, absolutely. That's honestly the reason that a lot of us get into it. Um, those stories that uh, you tell about coaches that you've had and the impact they've had. So I'm with you. That's that's kind of what uh, I want to do at the end of the day and have an impact yeah. on kids. Uh, so yes. you've moved around a little bit throughout your career. Um, <laughs> right. I kept uh, getting kicked out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what would you say is one thing that's kind of been the same at each one of those places you've been and 
one thing that's been different? I mean, I think the the thing that I think about when I reflect on that is just how important developing relationships is. Um, and and I've done, there's been times I've done really well at that, and there's been times I've not done well. Um, and so I, I guess I've learned throughout my career that building those positive relationships is so important, especially when adversity strikes. Um, I think that's what's been the same, honestly, at the end of the day, it's just building positive relationships. And I've been so lucky throughout my career to have amazing experiences at all the, the schools I've had the opportunity to, to lead the athletic department, um, met some amazing coaches, some amazing student athletes, um, and still have those connections today. And, and I love that about what we do. Um, we get to be a part of so many success stories, so many, you know, uh, stories of triumph and overcoming adversity. Um, and in and, and education, I feel like we don't always celebrate those stories because it's always we're dealing with the next problem or issue. Um, and it's it's sometimes hard to remember all those good things that you do. I I keep a, a manila folder of all all the letters. I mean, you know, I'm old school enough that I still print out, I print out emails and put them in this folder. And when I'm having one of those crappy days, I pull that out and I start reading them and it kind of refocuses me on my why. It probably comes with a couple laughs and a couple tears, uh, but uh, it always refocuses me on, you know, why I got into this, you know, business, you know, why it's important to, to have that positive impact on kids. Um, why it's so important that our coaches have a, a great purpose and why and what they do also. Um, and I think maybe what's been different, I mean, every school has a little bit different nuance, you know, different, you know, socioeconomic makeup, um, you know, different, you know, uh, values. Um, so I think it's always important. Um, and I learned this over time because when I was younger, I probably went in you know, like a bull. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to fix all this and it's going to be great. I'm the new coach and I'm going to, we're going to be just better because I know what I'm doing. And <laughs> that's not the way it goes. Um, we can always get better. We can always learn. We can always improve on what we do. And we need to have that growth mindset. It's so important. So um, when I talk about those differences, I really think about how I go in and and develop those relationships and then how I, I need to learn from that environment or that culture I'm in and then insert myself where I can help that institution be better. Yeah, for sure. There's a, no matter where you're at, there's, there's not a cookie cutter way of no. uh, going in and, you know, you, it's kind of like coaching a team. You gotta, you gotta coach your players based on the personnel you have. Like, People ask, yeah. oh, what what kind of team you're going to have this year? What kind of, and I, you know, I always told them whatever kind of kids we have, that's kind of that's the kind of team we're going to have, and it's it's kind of the same way yeah. with uh, you know leadership in in different places. So, um, yeah, off the top of your head, is there a certain period of time throughout your career that you've maybe experienced the most growth, and uh, how has that growth impacted you and who you are today? You know, I. As you know, if if I'm gonna be honest, I I don't know that there was ever one time 
that I could tell you like this, there was this huge growth. I think it's always a journey and there's ups and downs. I still feel like I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure this, this thing out we call life. Um, so I don't know if there's just one instance or a time period that um, I, I saw a huge amount of growth. Um, I, I think one pivotal moment for me was in young in my career, you know, um, first time head coach, first time athletic director. Um, I figured out that it wasn't about me. Um, I had Bruce Brown from Proactive Coaching came and he spoke at our athletic director conference. And it really shifted my perspective. Um, and he's just been a great, he's been a great mentor for me and and Rob Miller from Proactive Coaching. They've both been great uh, people that I admire greatly and I learned a lot from. Um, but I think that was, if I was gonna go back and, and try to find a time, um, that would probably be it. When I figured out, hey, um, it's not about pride. It's not about ego. It's about, you know, developing kids. And, and Coach Hughes talked about it. You know, um, I, I love, you know, that that uh, the way you frame that is just like, what's what's your team going to be like? How are you going to be? And um, I, I go back and great story and newspaper article guy asked the, the coach, How's your team? You know, you just won a national championship. What's your team? He goes, I'll let you know in 20 years. Yep. I always yep. love that because it's not about right now. Um, it's about the skill, the life skills you're giving these kids now. They're going to serve them in their adult life. And they're going to think back. And even when you as a coach might have showed them a little tough love, um, it's not because you dislike them. It's not because you hated them. It was because you saw something in them that they could be better at. And you knew that if you pushed them and got them out of their comfort zone, you were going to make them the best possible versions of them that they could actually be. And, and a lot of times our kids don't see that. Sometimes our parents don't see that. So such a crucial role that coaches play is making kids uncomfortable, stretching them and preparing them for the life that's in front of them. Because for as, for as crazy as it seems for a high school kid that starting on the basketball team is not the end all be all, but right. those, those lessons that you learn through, you know, struggling and, and maybe having to work really hard to, to, to even get on the court are lessons that they'll take with them the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you were an AD for a number of years. Can you share a specific leadership challenge that you may have faced uh, at any point in your career and how you navigated through it? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think uh, we, we just got off our professional development for this morning and it was about, you know, facing fear. And I think that's probably the one thing that in my career I struggled with the most, whether it was fear of making a mistake, fear of, you know, not making the right decision. Um, and the older I've gotten, the more I think about the opportunities that maybe I didn't take because I was afraid. I missed a huge opportunity. And Coach, you go back to that growth piece. I missed opportunities to grow because I was afraid or fearful. I wasn't uh, 
I didn't feel comfortable enough being vulnerable to my coaches, to my kids. And I think back and I'm like, gosh, I missed an opportunity to, 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 to teach my kids something, to teach my coaches something, just sharing a little bit more of me. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes in my career, I felt like I closed myself off to protect myself because of that fear. Um, and the older I've gotten, I was like, gosh, I just missed so many opportunities to to um, to teach life's lessons, to to work with somebody who might be going through that same struggle. I always tell people all the time, make sure that you're telling your story because your story is going to help someone else. Your story is going to, you know, ins inspire someone to 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 get out of what they're in or that they can reach out to you and talk about that and how important that is and our roles as athletic directors and coaches to have that network. Uh, we call it that route, Mount Rushmore of people that you can call when you need to lean on somebody and you need to, you need a little belief poured into you because um, as a coach, sometimes you might be in a community and though you're surrounded with people all the time can be a super lonely uh, position. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about motivating the people that we lead, uh, whether that's coaches, players, uh, employees. What are some strategies that you've seen work for motivating people within your organization or team? You know, I, I think the, the first part of that is just the, your time. Um, we always talk about intentionality. And how it, as a leader, it's important to be intentional. Um, and somebody asked me that question. I was kind of like, okay, I had to think about that for a second because I was like, how am I intentional? And I really had to go back and just like, it's setting aside time to spend time with those that we lead, getting to know them, building that relationship and how important that is. I, I think of one time um, I had a coach and I was walking past him in the hall and I saw him and I was like, something's not, something's not good. I could just see it in him. Like, you know, and he was this great person, great coach. And I could just see in him like, okay. So I grabbed him. I, hey, hey, what's going on? And he shared this story with me. And I was like, coach, I did not realize you're going through that. I wish you would have come to me sooner. Um, and it was weighing on him. And I think back to that, that, that moment. And I was like, I would have never even noticed that had I not built that relationship with him prior to how important it is that we, that we build those relationships as leaders. You know, again, I talk about that letting down our guard and sharing with our coaches, sharing with our student athletes, how important that is. And scary. I'm like, those are like, for me, that was super scary to, to sometimes tell stories about my life that I was like, oh, this, some of my kids are going to be dealing with this. How can I share that story so that they know that there is somebody else that's going through that? And as coaches, ADs, when we go to our conferences and tell our war stories and somebody goes, oh yeah, that happened to me. And you're just like, for whatever reason, I don't know, misery loves company, but you're always like, okay, I'm not the only one. It, there's something uh, innate in us. It's like, we want somebody to be there with us when we're going through those tough times. And when we go to those conferences, go have those clinic talks, have those opportunities and network with like-minded people, how important it is 
to share those stories so that we can we can move past some of those issues that we're dealing with is so important. So for me, bottom line, it's just developing that relationship uh, with with your coaches, your student athletes, and then giving them time. Two things I did, best things I ever did in my career as an athletic administrator was um, provide my coaches with um, uh, professional development outside the X's and O's. We talked about leadership. We talked about building trust. We talked about building culture. And then secondly, was having student athletic advisory council and talking about all those same things, bringing coaches and kids together, talking about core values, talking about our mission and our vision and what our goals were, was so important. So having those, building those relationships and spending that time doing that, because I know we can get bogged down in, in all the logistics and officials and getting buses and getting our game plans and you know, spending time on the X's and O's and we don't spend enough time on those relationships and how important that is. Absolutely. So as you know, being an AD or you know, really a leader in general, it's yeah. it's hard. It's hard. And in your book, uh, which I haven't had a chance to fully read, I've I've read a little sure. bit of it. Um you know, we're a different breed, as you say, we're, we're built a little different um, as ADs. And, you know, when you were going through tough times and throughout your career, how did you overcome those challenges and stay motivated yourself? Yeah. And again, there was, there was times in my career that I was like, why am I doing this? Why do I continue to beat my head against the wall? Um, and, and honestly, I just tell you was because of the relationships I built. Um, it was becoming a part of our state AD organization, you know, coaches organization, becoming a member of, you know, you know, NASCA, becoming a member of the NIAAA. Those all had huge impacts on me and giving me a network of people that I could reach out to that I trusted, um, that I could be like, hey, I'm I'm really struggling with this. I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I am struggling. I'm stressed out. You know, um, I, I'm, you know, I, I remember uh, Rod Olson would always talk about that consistency of being the same person you are at home and at school and in the community. And I was struggling with that because I get home and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to just isolate myself. And that was probably the worst thing I could ever done. So just having those people and I, and I had, you know, Todd Gordon, Aaron Stecker, both great friends of mine. And we did a podcast together. Um, and every Sunday night, I told everybody all the time that was, you know, some of the best conversations, some of the best, you know, times and for whatever reason, whatever topic we were talking about that night uh, was relevant to what I might've been dealing with that week. It was really kind of crazy. Uh, whether we had a guest on that shared a story and just really resonated with me, it was always my um, therapy for the week. And I didn't even have to pay for a psychologist. <laughs> Some of us need, need psychologists, I'll tell you that. Um, so last question in this first section here. Yeah. As, as leaders, whether you're a coach, administrator, CEO, uh, team lead, whatever, we have to guide and 
nurture our team to handle setbacks and failures. I think that's one of our uh, primary responsibilities as leaders. And yeah. I believe uh, through that, your your response is everything. Um, what lessons have you learned in regards to handling failure? And how have you used those lessons to help others? Yeah, I think you talk about growth. Uh, and I, I would tell you that my, some of my biggest growths have come from probably my biggest failures. Um, so own, owning those. Um, recognizing that you you'd screwed up you know and sometimes you got to say you're sorry sometimes that's really hard and especially in a coach and an athletic leader telling a parent or a kid hey i'm sorry i screwed that up that's hard because yep. oh, you don't ever want to be wrong and you always think like well gosh if they see a chink in the armor or if they see some blood in the water the sharks see the blood in the water it's going to be a feeding frenzy um and and so it can be hard to, and that fear of failure is there. It's real. Um, and especially, I think, for coaches and ADs, because, gosh, everything we do is at a huge, you know, whatever community you're, you're in, it's a huge stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're, you know, always talk about, like, math scores aren't in the newspaper on Friday morning, but the basketball score or the football score or whatever it is, you, you are judged every single day and how important that is that, again, I go back to building those relationships, being able to c- overcome that. And, and again, sharing those stories with others is so important. Sharing that story of like, I screw up. I, I remember going to my very first, you know, coaching conference and I got, you know, these like football coaches that I'm like, man, they don't ever have any issues. They've got everything figured out. You know, I'm just like, you know, and then I'm, they, they start sharing like, well, hey, we had this issue and this issue. And I'm like, oh, gosh, they're just like, they're just like me. Like I had those same issues. And it, it took away that like, all right, so we're all in this together. We're all going to screw up. We're all going to make mistakes. Um, but I think really at the end of the day, it was like owning that and then using that to, to grow and get better. Like, so if, if I had a mistake that I made as an AD, if I made a, a, a wrong decision, it was like telling a coach, like, hey, I screwed up. I apologize. How are we going to make this better? And I think learning from failures, I was always like, all right, how can I, you know, correct these? And it was, again, having better networks, having more conversations, um, you know, developing, you know, time outside of when adversity strikes. If you haven't, you don't have that relationship built with that person, it's going to be tougher. But if you've got a relationship with a coach or a parent or a student athlete, and adversity strikes, and they know you care and love them. Sometimes even when you have to be tough on somebody and they know that you care and love, love them, it's going to go a little better. For sure. That's, doesn't mean it's going to be perfect and it's not going to be easy, but it's, there's that relationship there. There's that you know foundation of, of trust that's built already. It makes it a lot easier to do that. So again, I, I tell young coaches, athletic administrators, make sure you don't get stuck behind your desk doing all the things that I know we have to do. Getting out and being with people and being with kids and coaches is so, so important. Yeah. Um, that fear of failure that you mentioned, it's it's really hard, especially for young ADs, which I, I still consider myself a young AD. I think this is my seventh year, but um, 
it's always hard to admit that you don't know everything, yes, especially to is. a especially to a parent that's uh, really critiquing you hard on maybe a policy or a decision right. you made. But I have, you know, it's just part of my personal philosophy on this. Like I always, if I have a parent meeting and they're they're mad about something uh, that the coach did or I did or whatever. Um, I always go in there and try to find one thing that I could admit to them that we screwed up. Yep. Yep. And usually, you know, obviously it's true. You know, I find yeah. something we're, we're not perfect, but yeah. if I, if I level with them a little bit, like you mentioned about the relationships piece, you know, they know I love the community. They know I love their kid. They know I love the program. That's going to soften the blow a little bit. Oh yeah, and, for sure. You know, I've I've found that to work pretty well. Um yep. and that goes back to the vulner vulnerability piece that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um that's yeah, it, that's being vulnerable. <laughs> and yes. it's hard sometimes. And so. and you said that too, and and you you said that and the one made you said they know that I love this community, I love their kids. And but at the end of the day, it's because you tell them. Mm -hmm. They see it in the in the works that you do and you tell how important it is for us as coaches and athletic directors. And even seems like I tell coaches, that's weird that you tell the kids, you love them. I'm like, Hey, love isn't loving your student athletes and loving your, your, your kids and your parents. It's not easy. It's probably the toughest thing you do as a leader is to love everybody that you lead. It's, it's not always easy to do that. It's probably one of the toughest things you do. But gosh, when you love something, you're going to do everything in your power to make it good. You yeah. know, so I'm, you know, Frosty Westerling is always talking, make big time where you're at. So in order to make a big time where you're at, you got to love what you do. You got to love the people you lead. Otherwise, you're not ever going to, to bring your program to the level that you want it to be at because you're missing the most important ingredient to success. So speaking of love, um, on the other end of, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. Uh, we have to uh, have expectations and standards in all of our programs for each one of our athletes or people that we lead in general. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about those standards and expectations in, sure. in the world of sports. Everyone has high expectations, whether it's the community or the, the coaches, the players whether it's warranted or not. Um, right. Sometimes the, the talent level is not always looked at when you have those expectations, but um, sometimes we don't meet those expectations. As the guy in charge, how do you address that situations when, when teams or coaches are not meeting those expectations? I mean, it, it, one of the toughest things we do as athletic leader is hold people accountable. And then, not only holding them accountable, but then they don't hate you because you hold them accountable. Yep. And and that is really tough. So, you know, we, I talk about like the, the evaluation process, you know, you know, the hiring process, um, the professional development that we, I, all three of those things, I think really kind of lead me to where this question would go is like, if we're not identifying people in the hiring process, that already, you know, adhere to or believe in our core beliefs and values and our mission and our vision, that's going to be a problem. If we're not teaching those values and skills that we 
see as valuable in what we do as athletic leaders, it's not going to happen. If we do not, then at the end of the day, then hold the people to those those core values, that mission, that vision, it's not going to happen. So although not very easy, sometimes, again, you got to show some tough love and we got to have tough conversations with student athletes. Hey, you're not living up to our standards. You've been late to practice three days in a row. You're a best player on our team. I need you to be the role model. Coach, you, you know, got up in the middle of the game and started, you know, F-bombing our kids in the middle of the game. That does not live up to our standard. You cannot do that. And having those conversations is not easy. It's uncomfortable. But I, I just read an article a few weeks ago, and it said that anybody who is in an organization wants feedback, wants constructive feedback. Now, does that mean that we're going to tell them that they're a terrible kid because they, you know, got an alcohol or, or a violation? No, like, hey, we make mistakes. Um, so as ADs, we all like to think that we have high standards for our programs. Uh, how do you define and maintain those high standards for your kids and coaches? I, I think it's keeping that what, whatever our standards are, we keep that in front of them. So uh, one thing that, that I felt was important for us is we always had like a, uh, a captains and coaches conference every year where we talked about here's our you know core values, here's our standards of excellence, um, here's the th- our non-negotiables. Um, and I think it's important for our coaches and kids to have those discussions. And I know our coaches always feel like, well, I don't have time. We need to get this done and this done and this done. And again, I, I bring it right back to, you know, that relationship piece um, and the, the culture building and the trust that's built um, outside of the X's and O's is so important. So again, I think it's making sure again that in our in our conversations with coaches and our professional development, we're talking about those things that we value and how we can be better at that. And then again, same with our kids. And I go back to, you know, having opportunities to do PD with my coaches was super important. Having opportunities to be in front of our kids and ask them the questions. Um, you know, I always did program assessments with kids and asked them, how, how did this go? This is for you. This is, this is your program. You know, as coaches, sometimes we need to relinquish some ownership and make it their team. It's, it's our team. You know, it's not just me dictating above and telling everybody what to do. It's like, hey, we're doing this, we're in this together. Let's go to war together. And how important that is that they feel like they have some horizontal leadership within their programs. Um, I always feel like when the kids are holding other kids accountable, your team is so much better. You know, when, when we're living to standards and we're giving our kids, here's what we're going to do. And now that means that we're going to have to hold them accountable to that. Cause if we don't, then we're going to lose some of that trust. We're going to lose some of those things that we talked about are so important, but at the end of the day, we need to, set those standards and then hold people accountable to reaching those standards. And if they're not, when he's like, all right, Hey, you're not doing this right now. Now, what are we going to do to, to get you to, to reach that standard? Yeah. And I, I think it's really important that we, you cannot procrastinate on that. No. That is something that, you know, I was having a conversation with coach Greg Berg. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's pretty big on Twitter. Um, 
he said, you know, culture is basically what you allow and what you emphasize. And he said that allow piece is vitally important because, uh, you know, especially with kids, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile and uh, they'll constantly push the envelope. And if those behaviors or whatever that you want to correct, correct, keep, you keep allowing those to happen. And then all of a sudden you've, you've dug a hole for yourself. And when you go to address it, uh, it's not going to stick and it's probably going to happen continually even after that conversation. So, uh, so, so say I'm an AD that wants to start fresh, my culture, my program or whatever is not where I want it to be. I want to put pen and paper, uh, put pen to paper and develop a set of standards for our athletic program that I want to start fresh with communicate. And, you know, what is the first step that I need to take to do that? And once I have them, how can I effectively communicate and reinforce those to my coaches and athletes? At the end of the, for me, that was always getting together with parents, getting with my kids, getting with my coaches and talking about what, what do we value? What standards do we want to set? Like, you know, coach, you know, like it's always amazing to sit down with kids and ask them what they're, what they think the standards should be. Cause if, if it's been anything like for me, as it has been for you, it's our kids have the standards are probably way higher than we think that they would ever aspire to. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's important to just get feedback from all your stakeholders, um, whether that's through survey, focus groups, you know, having one-on-one conversations and then compiling all those things that you get from that. And if anybody, I've got, actually have a survey that I use when I first got to schools that I asked kids and coaches, what do you need? You know, and I basically took that and I created like, as a new AD, here's some things that I want to get done, you know, first three months, first six months after a year. And one of those always is what are going to be our three core values? Mm-hmm. What, something, what can I do right now that can make an immediate impact on my school that's going to, you know, give me the opportunity to, to make an improvement right away that people are going to see and appreciate because I listen to their feedback. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I go back to that professional development for coaches, leadership skills for kids, having open and honest, you know, communications with parents, you know, um, again, laying out our expectations and having parents being a part of that process is always beneficial um, at the end of the day. And then having those conversations with district administration, your principal are always important. And then at the end of the day, you put those together and like, okay, here's what everyone has said that they want to, you know, the standard to be. So then it's not just me as an AD saying, here's the three things that we're going to do because I think this is what we need to do. And you know, Bo, as much as I do, like most of the time when they come up with those three or whatever that ends up being those standards that, that you um, put together, I would guess that most of the things that you thought in your mind prior to even getting there are probably going to be in that, you know, final product you get from everybody involving everyone. Having a shared vision is so important. Like, you can have a vision of one and you're not going to go very far. But if you start pulling people in, um, 
you're going to make a, a much larger impact when people feel again like they have ownership of the program and they're a part of the program now let's see what we can do with not just me but we got 100 people 200 people 800 people a thousand people a community you know all trying to aspire to this vision and mission that you've set for your athletic department and everybody wants to be a part of that because they see your excitement but like you said your love for the community your love for the kids your love for the athletics program your love of the school will just exude from that mission and vision and those core values that you develop yeah so switching gears one last time here i wanted this this to discuss a i would consider it a hot topic for uh, leaders and employees uh, time management and especially for leaders in any industry everyone's looking for new ways to uh, better use my time or operate more efficiently personally i wouldn't consider myself a by no means am i an an expert on time management but i wouldn't consider myself a great time manager Um, i don't know if that comes from uh procrastination or or what but um i want to get better at it right and would you consider yourself a good time manager i i feel like i have to be because there are just so many things going on um i i tell people this quite often and when i talk about being intentional even the time is the one thing that we cannot buy right uh, we could we could spend all the money in the world and never get more time There's only going to be so many minutes, so many hours, so many seconds in a day. So how we use each of those is so important. So I got to the point where I schedule almost every part of my day. So from time to work out, you know, as an AD, it was like, I'm going to spend this hour developing, you know, our our next coach's professional development. Now I know things always come up and they pop up and I might not get an hour, but I got 30 minutes because somebody came in and said, you know, hey, we don't have any officials for tonight. We need to get, a, you know, whatever that might be. And there's always fires to put out as a coach or AD. So knowing you're going to have those fires, I always look at my calendar every day. I'm like, okay, I've got this and this and this and this today. And I got to get all these things done. And I'm going to put in my time with, you know, going to watch my kids' games, which as an AD, I wasn't always great at. And, and those are one thing that I, regret that I did not do a better job of. Um, I remember telling my son, who's now grown and in the work, we're off the off dad's payroll now. Um, I always remember telling him like, hey, but I'm sorry, I, I didn't get to go to as many things as I I wanted to of yours. And that and that's my he was like, he goes, Dad, no, I get it. There was kids at school that needed you, you know, more than I needed you. And I was like, <laughs> I felt like a just a big, huge lump, but, um, but he goes, but I always knew that if I needed you, you were there. Yep. But, you know, I regret that. So had I been better at time management um, and not letting um, the emergencies of someone else dictate my life as much, um, I always felt like to be a good idea, I always had to be, you know, answer every email within five minutes, you know, you know, if somebody had a problem, I was going to solve it right then, even though, they probably could have done this two months from now. Um, and that was a, a learning curve for me to understand that that I didn't have to do that because people didn't use their time wisely. Um, so I, I always was 
trying to get ahead of the game, always trying to be proactive and getting those management things done far in advance so that I could know that there was going to be something that popped up and I could address it because I wasn't frantically trying to find game workers two days before the game. I did that, you know, the spring before the the new school year even started. So I knew I had at least a really good structure of what was going to be already set. So I felt like over time, I, I got to be very good and very intentional with my time. And when I was writing my book, I was like, I put time on my calendar. I'm going to spend five hours on Sunday and I'm going to write, or I'm going to go Saturday and I'm going to go to Starbucks and I'm going to get in the corner and I'm going to spend four hours writing this. Otherwise I'm never going to get this book done. The, so the research that I've done uh, on time management, because like I said, I want to get better at it. And yeah. uh, I'm always looking for that new thing to try. Um, but it all everything that I read seems to point back to one thing, prioritizing tasks. Yep. And you mentioned a little bit of it uh, with scheduling everything. I've heard of a, a variety of advice on how exactly to do that. But how do you think people should prioritize their tasks and manage time effectively, especially with everybody's busy, everybody's got a busy schedule, nobody has time to do anything. How do you do that with such a busy schedule? I think for me, it was always, um, again, I I got to the point where, okay, is this uh, an emergency for this person because they waited to the last second or is this an emergency. So a lot of it was judgment. Um, and, and, you know, you've been in the game now seven years. I think you can get to the point where you're like, okay, that can wait, you know, and I, and I think I start prioritizing things and I don't know, coach, if you're like me, like I've got my, like, here's my, here's my sheet of list of things to do. You make that? I fill, I fill that up really quickly. <laughs> it always gets full. I got, you know, it gets you know it gets messy sometimes, uh, but I always kind of give like sometimes I even color it like this has got to get done today, and then I might put stuff that's you know I I used to have a basket that I you know before kind of computers are really big I put a basket on my desk of this is the stuff that I need to get done within the next you know few weeks, and so when I had a little extra time. I was like, okay, I'm going to grab that and, and work on some of these things that I got in this. Now I do that on my computer, of course, but I even have even gone in and prioritize uh, on my Gmail, my tasks in colors. Like this mm-hmm. needs to get done today. This needs to be done by, you know, January 15th. So as I get, if I get a free, like I get done with a meeting 15 minutes early, it sounds really crazy, but I'm like super excited because I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to use this 15 minutes and I'm going to get this done because it's due, you know, next week. So I think as we get into that role, we just become more attuned to what needs to get done right away and what can wait. Yeah. Is that a Scott Jarvis special there, that cheat? No, I can, I can send that to you. <laughs> I can send it to you today. Yeah. Cool. Um, so what's your philosophy on goal setting? and? Yeah what role do you think it plays in somebody's approach to how they manage their time? I mean, obviously for me, I think having a a plan is super important and, and having that on paper for me, I like that because I want to, I want to see it. So, um, but for me, I want to see that I'm probably more of a visual learner. 
maybe I maybe a lot of ADs are like that, but I always want to see what I have. So for me, I every school I've been at, we put together a strategic plan, um, mm-hmm. and that was important. So I would tell you, just putting a goal up is not good enough to me. To me, I think there needs to be a, an objective, and there needs to be actions that go along with that. So if I'm just going to put our goal this year is to be a state champion. Okay, that's great. Everybody wants to be state champion, but what are we willing to do to do that? So mm-hmm. I've always want the the actions. We we actually go through a, a a deal with our kids. It was like, okay, what's your goal for this season? Actually, I've got one right here. Um, every before every season, we put this together, um, and we just called it, you know, our our culture profile. And we talk about all the things that we feel like we need to develop a great culture. So we need commitment and vision and leadership and passion and focus. And then to get to the next level, we got to be creative and innovative. We got to be critical thinkers. We got to be problem solvers, you know, but we, when we want to win, when we want to be really winning at whatever we do, we want to have integrity. We want to have self. We want to be motivated within. We want to have perseverance, work ethic. We want to have those interpersonal skills. We want to have a competitive spirit. We want to hold each other accountable. We want to ha- we want to show sacrifice. That's when we know that we've gotten to that winning level. And on the back, then we just ask kids, you know, why do you do what you do? Why are you playing the sport? You know, we talk about how will you be a positive influence on on and for your team. What are your personal goals? But then we tell ask them, what are your team goals? How can we improve? How are we going to get to those goals that you want to do? Not just because I've got this goal. Um, you know, like this this one right here, I was like, what's your goal, your team goal? Win as many games as possible. So then we ask them, okay, how are you going to do that? Well, we're, I'm going to practice this. I'm going to go 100% practice. I'm going to love my teammates. Uh, we're we're going to develop a great team culture. Okay, those are the kind of things that we need to do that. I'm going to be in the weight room every day. I'm going to go to every single off-season workout. Those are the kind of things that we look at. And then the one I always love, you know, how can you improve the team? How can you improve the team? And then we always talk about how are you going to be a leader for the team? And then we identify what's one word that will guide you. We talk about that one word. What's going to guide you in your leadership for this, this season? This student athlete put persistence. And this kid right here, was not going to be a starter, but he knew he was going to have to work his butt off. And this kid won us games because he was pushing everybody in practice. And man, when he came off the bench, he was tenacious on defense. I mean, he was getting after it. So I always love doing this before the season just to get our kids thinking about that. But then, you know, we go hang that up on their on their locker. And, but, but then we mm-hmm. talk about it too. Like, one of the things I talked about our coaches about how important it is that we have one-on-one and group discussions with kids outside of, you know, the X's and O's. And uh, it's, it's been huge. And having open and honest communications with kids. I, I, I get parents all the time that complain like, well, my kids went to coach and he said, coach, I want to play more. And he said, he just needs to work harder. And, and I tell coaches, be honest with kids. I'm not telling you to tear them down. I'm like, you know, it's like have the conversation like, hey, you know what? Here's where I see you right now. You're probably not going to play a lot of varsity this year. If we have the opportunity to get you in, you're going to play. But here's what I need from you. And here's what you need to work on to, 
because next year I'm probably going to need you. But hey, you never know. There could be two kids get sick or two kids get injured or two kids be ineligible and you're up in this role. So what are you going to do to be ready? So for me, it's it's a combination of things. It's the relationship, building the trust. It's setting those goals, not just coach or not just kids, but doing it together. I think there's real value in that because I think it provides our kids ownership of their team and they're the ones out on the court. Our coaches can put the best game plan in the world together, but unless they execute, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. I would be interested in seeing that, uh, that little pamphlet yeah, you had there. I'll, yeah, I'll send it to you. Last question here with time management. Uh, delegation is something that, I've struggled with, it was actually on my previous week's podcast episode, we talked a little bit about delegation and how it could relieve stress. Um, How do you, or how did you approach delegation and collaboration to kind of streamline those tasks that you had to get done and improve your overall efficiency? Yeah, I was, it was something, well, just like you said, I, something I struggled with, um, and it was, it, I probably never got to, to be the best I could. I've, I've gotten better at it of, of just, but for me, it just took a whole lot of trust to entry, to entrust someone to give them a task that was important to me. Um, I, I think some of the other tasks, it wasn't difficult for me to, you know, give transportation to my assistant AD, like you're, you're in charge of that, you handle that. But something that was near and dear to me, it, it was tough for me to, let others into that because I I wanted that to go well. Um, so some of it is just, again, overcoming some fear um, and sometimes letting go um, because at the end of the day, as a leader, I want to create more leaders. I don't want to create followers. I want to create more leaders. So for me, it was like, okay, I need to do this because I need this person to be part of this process because they're going to learn and grow from this. So again, bringing more people to the table, having more discussions. So instead of just making a, a, you know, a group of values or standards or whatever that might be by myself in my office, I'm going to talk to coaches. I'm going to talk to kids. I'm going to talk to parents. I'm going to talk to administrators. Um, That's where I feel like you can flourish as a leader when you start letting other people in that. And again, I was not great at that also, but I think you need to sit down and again, through that prioritization that we kind of talked about, here's some things I can let go of. So I can do maybe some of these higher level things or not even other people, but let technology do some things for me um, that's going to streamline what I do so I can spend more time on the more important things of developing relationships, creating a student athletic advisory council, creating, you know, coaching professional development. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the professional development piece, I, my, my conversation with coach Berg, um, I asked him about, you know, he was talking a little bit about professional development and I, you know, I brought up the point of, you know, you need it, you Mm -hmm. know, your coaches need it. It's hard sometimes to maximize your time wisely, but you also want to every single person, something that they want and need as far as professional development. And it's, I don't want to pick and choose like, oh, this coach needs this, this coach needs this. I want to do something overall. 
Um, yeah. So that's something that I've kind of been uh, researching. Yeah. And but anyway, so, and, oh, that both. So I, I would tell you that. So if, if you're reading the book, um, the DNA of an AD, mm-hmm. um, I, I actually put together like a D, DNA of an athletic leader PowerPoint, and I've got little mini sessions that you can do with coaches. And it talks about all the things that we talk about within the book. And I have just, you know, two, three, four slides for each, you know, of the 12 characteristics. And it's all questions related to, you know, just athletic leadership. And it can be simply you putting that PowerPoint up and just going through those facilitation questions with the coaches. And that was kind of what we did with our coaches. Um, Always was, we just sat down and had conversations. And it was amazing to see like, you know, a 30 year veteran coach and maybe a, a new coach or a second year coach and the second year coach is saying, Hey, here's what I do to develop team culture. And then my 30 year coach is like, Oh, that's a great idea. And then vice mm-hmm. versa. And then the, the trust that was developed because now I had all the coaches in the room together talking about all the things that we deal with. And they're like, Oh gosh, coach has got a great idea. And then they were then meeting on the side and they started developing some little bit more meaningful relationships. Cause you know, as a coaching staff, you know, your football coach and basketball coach might not ever talk. And then you got some right. kid that coach said, I couldn't do this, you know, workout because I need to be ready for blah, blah, blah. And then the coaches are mad at each other and never talked because a kid was trying to, you know, not be accountable to what they're supposed to do. You got two coaches mm-hmm. mad at each other because they're not having a discussion. Now I found that we got those coaches together that diminished greatly when we had those coaches together. And they're like, when a kid would say that to a coach, like, well, I know coach so-and-so, I'm going to give him a call. And the kid's like, well, well, hold on. I just couldn't mean that. Yep. It was always amazing. Yes. All right. Wrapping up here. Uh, I like to end most of my episodes with some rapid fire questions. And they're, uh, you know, some of them are just personal and some of them, could go along with our conversation today. Sure. Uh, so first one, I want to know what the best sporting event you've ever been to is. Oh, good gracious. Um, gosh, I got to say it was my very first NFL football game I ever got to go to. I was probably like six years old, and we went to the Kansas City Chiefs and Raiders game down in Kansas City. It was probably uh, the most – I mean, I was so excited um, as a little kid to go to an NFL game, um, I always think about like, I can still like picture, you know, just the crowd and the game and the excitement. Um, and then probably going to my very first, you know, Iowa Hawkeye football game. Those are probably my two favorite memories of a sporting event. Yeah. It's funny. My, my favorite one is my first chiefs game too. Um, Seeing Joe Montana out there for the, my very first game, that was awesome. So, yeah, that's awesome. That awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's a book that you would recommend to my listeners uh, just on leadership in general? Uh, I There's a book by Ron Olson that I absolutely love. It's called Legacy Builder. Um, it is an amazing book. Uh, I, I've read it now a number of times, and every time I read it, uh, there's not there's not one time I read it and be like, gosh, this is something I really need to be better at. Um, I, mm-hmm. I've highlighted and wrote notes in that thing so many times, uh, but a great book. It's a story brand book. So it's 
it's an easy read, but so many just good nuggets in there about the the role that we play in in being leaders. Yeah. Uh, favorite place to watch a game? Oh goodness. Well, I would say probably now as I'm older, it's on my on my couch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I used to I used to love going and sitting up in the stands and and being a part of that, but now it's like I'd, I'll just sit on the couch and watch a, a good a good game. Yeah. Uh, next one, as an AD, you know, throughout the school year, our diet consists of um, you know some nachos or some hot dogs or uh, things like that. What's your favorite concession stand food? Oh goodness, I, you know what, I, I, I can hardly stomach even eat concession stand food anymore. Um, probably just popcorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had, I had so many hot dogs as an AD. Like my last ten years, I couldn't even eat a hot dog. Like even now, I'm like, hey, you want a hot dog? I'm like, no, I'll pass. Um, so this is a bigger, bigger question for you. Um, what? does Scott Jarvis want his legacy to be at the end of the day? And what do you want to be remembered by? That's a great question. Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, I just, I hope that when I'm dead and gone, that, um, that there's at least a group of people that say like he made a difference in my life and it was a positive, I made a positive impact on, on as many people as I could. And, and knowing that I've made tons of mistakes too. And, but at the end of the day, hopefully I will be, again, we go back to the beginning of the conversation. I can at least leave uh, that legacy like that. My coach left for me. Mm -hmm. Finally, where, where can my listeners find you and find some of your work? Yep. So um, I I have a, a podcast called bound for greatness. Um, and I talked about it early. We, we do uh, Beyond Bound uh, professional development for ADs and coaches every Friday morning. Um, you can find that on YouTube. Um, follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm very active on Twitter. Um, and I'm just at Pocket AD. Um, and that's just P-O-C-K-E-T-A-D underscore. Um, I'm on Instagram at Scott, at Scott Jarvis underscore AD. Um, on Facebook. Um, athletic leaders. Um, I have a group that I, I post to all the time. So I uh, would love to, to have anybody that follow. And, and again, I typically follow the people who follow me because I, I love seeing what other people put out there too. It always makes me think um, too. I always, and again, as much positivity as we can put out on, on social media, because there's so much negative. Um, I just feel it's important as, as leaders, especially athletic leaders, and we're putting out positive stuff all the time yep absolutely well scott i really appreciate you coming on today and uh, i really enjoyed our really enjoyed our conversation and hopefully our my listeners can pick bits and pieces from this and apply it to their situations and uh look forward to following you and what you're doing and appreciate you coming on yeah and if, if i can ever be to help you or anybody else please reach out Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lead to Win podcast. If you're listening this week, make sure to drop a rating on whatever app you're listening on. I'd love to hear from listeners and make this podcast even more relevant to you. Also, make sure to follow the Lead to Win podcast on social media. We're on Facebook, 
X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Give us a follow and feel free to share the content. Again, thanks for listening this week. I'm your host, Bo Bergen. See you next Tuesday.